You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. We have artist Justin C.M. Brown uh, in this episode and uh, real art enthusiast, uh, art every day, encouraging folks to do art and look at the world in an artful way. Justin, welcome to the show. Ken, thank you so much. I love that introduction. That was awesome. Uh, I just want to start by saying thank you so much for uh, for having me on the podcast and thank you for creating a podcast uh, that, you know, I, I the intersection of art and philosophy is very exciting to me. And so I appreciate you uh, creating the content. I really do. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. I, uh, I've always, when it comes to philosophy, I've always thought about it most vibrantly in terms of uh, art, in terms of um, creativity, in terms of, uh, you know, literature and, and writing, just thinking of where philosophy is. And uh, I, 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 see, uh, I see your enthusiasm for that. So I know we're matched up. <laughs> we're not matched up that way. So, um, uh, Justin, uh, tell tell folks a little bit about. I mean, you're you're art art. You know, studying art now. Um, you had a project last year where you are you know directly creating art each day. Um, you know, just that that as 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 a lifestyle of learning and and creating. Can you can you tell uh, the listeners just about you know that that dynamic say over the past year? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start with the advice. The advice that I, that I have that I found made it possible for me to work on and create art every day is priming your conditions. And, um, and so when it comes to the series I was doing last year, uh, inspired by true events, um, a lot of that was digital art, uh, created an illustrator, vector-based, uh, uh, or ph- photography-based. It was kind of a mixture of the two. And so when I say priming my conditions, what do I mean? I mean having uh, ideas, photos, ready ready to be used, um, uploaded, downloaded onto my computer, like ready, ready to go. As soon as I sit down, like I don't have to mess with my phone. I don't have to mess with Google Drive. Like I've already, I took a photo the day before I uploaded it, I downloaded it, it's ready. And so when it comes time, you know, because creating art takes a lot of time. And unfortunately in this modern society, we don't really get a lot of it to, uh, invest in creativity. And so, um, sure. I find that in, you know, in, in spare moments, the thing that really helps for the creative process is sitting like taking 10 minutes or whatever and going through the last uh last photos that i took uploaded through google drive and then downloaded to the computer so it's like ready in a folder for me to open up and start playing with uh the vector images um is a whole basically one of my biggest things is i want to encourage people to value their own creative thought uh in the smallest ways like any whether like whether it's a small phrase like a short three words four words or a little drawing that just pops into your head 
I always uh, have I have my notepad. I have a Google Drive or a Google Doc. I have clipboards and sketchbooks and all this stuff ready to catch. You know, it's like a fly ball. So you're like in the stands, and you're like, okay, here it comes, and yeah. you got to catch it. And so I have these notebooks that are filled with these really small. They're I'm my drawing skills are not great. I'm not like an expert drawer or anything. So they're they are very casual. I will say they're casual sketches of these different ideas. You know, it's like okay, it's a cube, and then it's got like these colors. Take really rough notes whenever it pops in, and it takes about ten seconds. It's just really, it's really like a you see something out of the corner of your mind's eye and you're like, okay, what was that? Let me just write that down. And so when it comes time to do the artwork of the day, I have this notebook full of tiny stuff. Like, you know, it's not, they're not super complicated sketches, but the, the sketch itself to me represents like, uh, a placeholder or something. It's like, okay, this is the idea. How do I get back to that? And so as far as doing art every day, the key is priming your conditions, making sure that your workspace is like, I don't need to say clean because I know a lot of artists don't really care for a clean workspace. (laughs) But the thing is getting your workspace set up the way that you want it, getting your materials in a condition that you can use immediately and having a lot of materials to choose from. You know, I'll take, I, I try to take three or four photos a day of, you know, things I see, stains. I love stains on the sidewalk. I take, <laughs> I take photos of stains yeah, yeah. and of flowers and of architecture uh, and, you know, just random patterns that I see or, you know, whatever catches my eye. And so I'll, I'll take three or four of those a day. I upload those. And then when it comes time to like, you know, because it's like 30 minutes, an hour, you don't have a lot of time to make art. Unfortunately, I wish I did. Um, But having those ideas in advance really makes the most out of the creative time that you do have. So priming your conditions is, is the big thing as far as being able to create art every day. Yeah, I um I I got to say I really appreciate um you know like digging right in into like you know making art and 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 just thinking through um the pieces to 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 make it easier so so that it will happen. I've uh recently started an online art class um organized over a couple months that is really really inspired and really directed towards the, the processes that you said, not the exact processes, but being ready, being prepared, using little pieces, creating, priming the conditions, which is just a beautiful, um, you know, way to, way to put it. And, uh, so I'm in, I'm in, in that mode more now than maybe than, than I've ever been. So I'm really sensitive, um, you know, to, to, to your comments around that and, and, and you talking about how you are able to create, you know, a, a lot of, different, um, uh, disparate things. I wanted to ask you, uh, Justin, uh, we're, we're talking art, right? So we're talking creating, uh, art pieces. And I wanted to ask you right up front. Um, what is art? 
what, what are your thoughts about what, what art is? If I can tag one more thing onto that last, uh, Absolutely. That last conversation. Absolutely. Um, the, my, the, conce- the concept that I understand that, that made this work for me is that there are two things that happen. The idea, the moment of the idea and the moment of the creation of that idea are not the same thing and they don't have to happen on the same day. You know, when it, when it comes to having a scratch book or like, you know, taking a photo or whatever, there's your idea, but it doesn't have, I mean, sometimes it's better to do them, you know, back to back consecutively, but thinking about it in terms of the idea and the creation of the idea allows you to separate those two so that the idea is involved in the preparation. And then, so you've got your paint, you've got your canvas and you've got your idea. And then it all comes together yeah. in that moment of creation. So I really think that's, um, I really think that's helpful not to jump in just about just like, I think sometimes when we're like, we see something that in, inspires us or we're like, Oh, I'm feeling all angsty because I haven't created that type of thing. If we do it just raw like that, which, you know, somebody might want to do, but you have to get into the idea yet. Yeah, where are the materials? And I, and I think what you're saying here is be set up for art, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you live in a city, you know, you don't make it to fifth gear very often. <laughs> Manual transmission reference. I know that's not <laughs> very, very well set up. But like, you know, if you're if you drive a stick shift car in a city, you don't make it to fifth gear very often. But you do switch between second and third a lot. So like <laughs> collecting those ideas. And I mean, honestly, there's a lot of joy in collecting the ideas because in order to in order to collect ideas, you have to value them. If you don't value your own creative thought, you'll never get out of bed to write them down. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts with, hey, I'm a human being. I have this crazy creative capacity. And I I do believe that all humans do. Um, And it's a process of seeing it and saying, hey, this is what's going on in my head. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to try to share some of it. And so there's this process of valuing your own creative thought. And that's the idea part. The creation part, very different. You know, takes time, costs money, all that. But if we really dig into the value of the creative thought and collecting it and and just looking at it from the idea perspective and like that skeleton wireframe mode or whatever, then you see, you know, you have three ideas in a day. And one of them really stands out to you. And that energy and that like <laughs> affection or affinity that you feel for that one particular idea is the fuel for the creation to bring it to life, to bring it into this reality. Because you got to right. value it. If you don't value your own ideas, you're not going to take them from this intangible form, invest all of your energy into it to make it tangible, to make it real, to make it shareable, to make it something that is now in our in our mediated space <laughs> however well it's, it's 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 another important point that you place right in there to honor you have to be at the point to honor what comes forth right or or be prepared to honor what comes forth and i think you know a lot of folks are going to be afflicted with the mindset even if they have a strong inspiration or see something beautiful that 
maybe they don't know what to do with it or, or how to interact with it. And I think, you know, you're the honoring the, the idea and the energy of the artist is such, it's probably like that huge fundamental piece where you see yourself <clears throat> as, you know, receiving and capable of art and transforming transformation and, and creation. And I know you and I share that, 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 that's in, it's in folks, but just getting them uh, open to be like, that idea and that image that I saw was like one of the coolest things I've seen in a year and a half. Let me take a photo of it and think about it, you know? Yeah. And people underestimate the power of a random photo for restoring a line of thought. And I mean, you know, I, I would challenge a listener to look in their photo roll and find a photo with no person or a pet in it. Just a, just a photo. Right. No, no humans, no animals, nothing. It's just a scene. And then when you look at that scene, you're like, oh, that was the bus station in Charlotte. I was there with with Mike and we were doing the thing. And you can you can remember the conversation. And so, like, you know, if you need to take a snapshot, little freeze frame of a line of thinking, take a photo of your surroundings, not even a selfie. Just like take a photo of what you're looking at. And when you, when you see that photo again, you'll be like, Oh, and that's why they stopped making rotary engines or whatever. (laughs) I guess I'm on a car kick today. Whatever. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) I I like it. I mean, I totally understood not being able to get it to the highest gear going through the city in a rapid lifestyle. Yeah, no. And I mean, that is, and we all want to go, we all want to get into fifth gear and do 120, but like, you know we don't always have the opportunity but when we do get the opportunity it really helps to have the ideas and the materials ready yeah yeah uh we got uh justin cm brown here and we are getting into a question he thinks about we think about a lot you dedicate yourself to this justin now i need you what is art Okay. Um, I've been thinking about this question a lot since I, uh, since, you know, we, we first got in contact. Um, I believe now that art is anything that carries a, that creates a physical, mental, or spiritual reaction. And that can be intentionally made by humans uh, for the purpose of art, like painting. It can be made intentionally by humans not for the purpose of art, like buildings or uh, food. You know, I I consider art, food is art. Uh, I know that, unfortunately, it's not as commonly understood that way until you get into the really expensive stuff. But no, no, your your average burrito is a work of art. Uh, it, I, I really not not to compare genres or mediums or anything like that. But there is there is an artistic value to food. So there is also things that were not created by humans that have spiritual, emotional, or physical responses, like nature, like a good sunset 
like, uh, you know, hearing um, bird songs when you wake up. It's it, you hear birds outside and you're, there's a feeling, there's an emotion that, that comes with it. You're like, okay, sure. these birds, you know, and it, of course it depends on how you think about birds, but like, I think I think it's a, a safe average reaction to that is like, oh, this is pleasant, you know, but it doesn't just it's not just that thought. There's a physical reaction to that, you know, like it, it causes you to feel a certain way. And, you know, that that becomes a memory that you can link to, like about being comfortable or being like experiencing something pleasant and that knowledge the knowledge of those pleasant moments has a very real impact on how spiritually we process the world because in a life absent of those recognitions, it becomes a darker place. Not, not to say that. I mean, I, I don't think that there's an objective answer to that, but like if, and I understand that there are people that don't experience that. Uh, but like, if you're able to have an experience like that and you can take, if you can take joy from that, it impacts your worldview every day of your life because you realize that there is, you know, <laughs> there are two kinds of people in the world, right? There's, there are people who can experience joy in small moments and there are people who don't know how yet. And, uh, it's, it really changes the way you go about a bad day or a good day or, you know, or about a career or about, you know, your own artistic expression, knowing that one minute out of your day is enough to have a good day. Like something really good happens to you for 60 seconds and that's enough to make it a good day. Well, if you do 100 paintings, if you do 10 paintings, you're going to get something out of there that is that is not of the average experience. Something yeah. will go weird in that process, and that'll be the thing that'll make you love it. That'll you'll say, "Oh, it was it was cold outside and I had my window open. And so my coffee steamed up my paint tray. And so they're a little thinner. So the sky looks, you know, and it's just like these weird mechanical yeah. processes in the creation of art. But those things accidentally create beautiful works of art all the time. And it's that knowledge that just these little things, these little mechanical accidents and like, and or deliberate preparation, you know, some people you can do it, I guess. Uh, it it's that there's there's a lot of value in in one second, and art. When you see, like, if you go to a museum, there are there are certain pieces that will stand out to you naturally, you know, that you connect with. Man, I'm I'm really losing myself on this train right now. No, um, uh, no, I'm uh, no, no. I I want to say right now, just in 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 this, uh, not to interrupt, but I've been I've been really in in, in contact with the 
what what you're saying, I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of a- attitude and what happens to your mind in in the transformation of the mind in 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 creating art. Like when you said, you know, there's these pieces and they could be accident, and you do two ten of them, but you and I know that there are things there and there are things that are going to surprise. And what I become deeply fascinated in, in some of the great practices that you point out here um, is how the brain starts to uh, transform and, 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 and rewire. And, and some people might think in terms of mindfulness meditation, which can do all that as a separate discussion, but engaging with art and, and, and researching and learning about the transformation of the mind and what your reality is going to be. Like you said, that one second, that one piece, that 60 seconds, I'm really hearing what you're, what, what you're saying, because for me, it's, it's, it's a transformation. It could be connection to something larger, could be spiritual. I heard that word in what you said. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I really connect with with what you're saying there, because I think about it, how it transforms us. Right. Um, I, you know, just to throw just to throw some academic stuff in here, because I love to. Um, I recently hey, we got to make the, we got to make the university happy. I've been away from the university for a while. So with the we, we 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 thank you for doing this. OK, OK, here we go. Go Bruins. But uh, this one is from Toronto University, uh, Dr. Ann Mullen, talking about um, locating meaning in conceptual art. And it's a really great paper and I really recommend you look it up. But uh, there are Mullen comes like describes it in three dimensions and in the same ones that I'm talking about is the physical, the mental and then the spiritual. And I'm not you know, I might be paraphrasing, but. There is, you know, there on the physical level, something happens when you when you see a piece of art or I mean, you know, you think about like in order in order to really understand this mechanism, you got to dial it up. So imagine that you're like in your living room and you turn around and there is uh, an apex predator, you know, behind you like a tiger or a bear or whatever is appropriate for your geographic region. And when you know, when you can imagine that feeling of like your stomach dropping out, right? And, and you know, we felt this all before, like whether, oh, I ran a red light and then you know, almost got T-boned or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've had that feeling, right? That visceral feeling can be evoked. It, that's only one, one shade of it. That's that fear response. But it, there are a lot of different shades, joy response, uh, love and all those things. But it's unconscious it's immediate and it's extremely powerful and it's felt it is felt it is not thought it is not understood it is felt and you know so the physical response to art i i think people would say that it gets talked about enough i don't i don't think i don't think people really understand uh I don't think people talk about the visceral reaction to art. And, and I mean, especially in media like uh, TV and film, you know, it, it creates a physical uh, reaction. I listened to Adagio for strings by Barber not too long ago. It was for a class. And like, I listened to it three times in a row. Cause I love that song. And it just makes your body cry you're just like oh all right well 
this is the finest sad work that's ever been created. Yeah. But it, yeah. but it's a feeling you're not thinking about it. You're not like, Oh, these notes are making me sad. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling grief about this. Song. You don't, it doesn't happen like that. It just, it, it bypasses the thought. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we got our physical thing. Uh, it, then, you know, I'll skip the mental, the spiritual, it's it's the ability for humans to collect symbols in their life over time, which we use individually, internally, to construct a metaphysical worldview about what is good and bad, about what is us versus what is not us. Like, I identify with this. I don't identify with that. And, and those, those symbols, what it represents, what it represents again, subconscious, it happens to you. It's happening without like your conscious involvement. You're like, well, that's something that like this painting has horrified me beyond all recognition. And I will always remember this as something as a, as a representation of how scary art can be. And you keep that. And it's like the symbol that like expresses like, okay, fear can exist in the form of an oil painting. And you realize that all of these emotions and these thoughts about these emotions can be represented symbolically through art, through music and, you know, through, through work i mean it's it's really obvious on the surface when you talk about words but once you start getting into like <laughs> philosophy and linguistics and you realize that i'm just making a bunch of mouth noises and they make your brain think of specific thoughts it becomes this whole thing that unravels so it's uh don't don't think about it too long because the next time you go to a drive through you won't be able to do it <laughs> uh, well, well, it, it, and it's. I, I think um, again on on that point of what um, of what you're, and I think the terms of the when you mentioned spirituality and the difficulty maybe around in describing the experience. I just picked up on. I think we know. Uh, you and I know, and, and others know the the feeling or, or the, the whatever it is that happens to us. We've looked at the Manet, we stared at the Manet, and we can't imagine how such a thing uh, is is possible. But we're overwhelmed by a feeling that I think sometimes is tough to describe. There's one other piece I, I read this quote, and uh, it wasn't a quote, but it was a description, and it was right on the point of what you were saying around words and it was talking about books it's like you know how is it that we have these marks uh, this this ink these uh, paper sheets of uh, trees and we look at them and our mind experiences mass hallucination yeah yeah <laughs> and and I, I i i was stunned when i read it and then i looked at it again and i said Oh my gosh, <laughs> those symbols on the page are creating hallucinations in our mind. And as we go through Cormac McCarthy or or whoever yeah. and we're re and we're reading, 
that those hallucinations are are sheared and they're ours and we're in some sort of uh some sort of state right <laughs> but what's crazy about that is that we can agree on it <laughs> right, that, right is right. that these symbols create similar hallucinations is that we're <laughs> able to interpret them similarly at least in a way that we're able to communicate about it and so this it's you me and this and 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 Tolstoy over here <laughs> and and we like get to understand yeah an idea that neither of us had and this person is not alive anymore and they're nowhere to be seen and so these words like you know these these little arrangements of ink you know and it's it's really it's really uh th- there is no end to that rabbit hole there's no end to oh that i know I and it, i i just i think it goes all I, the way I, through i so, i uh I, I yeah go ahead let me let me close out the the, the trifecta here so there's the yeah, physical yeah. visceral response there's the spiritual collecting symbols from artwork and through our daily lives in order to create a me- metaphysical reality that we understand and then there is the mental one, which is, what do I think I think about this? What do I think other people think about this? You know, if in depending on the medium that it's in, whether it's in a gallery, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how true this is for everyone, but I think we all have we can easily come up. We can easily imagine standard art gallery behavior you know the snooty like i don't want to use the word snooty uh the you know this this scholar scholarly academic you know the swirling the wine glass the Hmm, well, this is, uh, you know, a modern <laughs> we know on, it's okay. Right? We, we got the character. We got the character. Right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, but so because we can imagine that person, that imaginary person affects how we behave, whether like basically we imagine someone doing it and then we decide whether we want to go with that or do something different. You know, and so like the the social experience, the the mental experience is a social one, and that it's it's mediated by the behaviors of other people, and they have taught us how to engage with art. You know, like the way <laughs> like wine tasting is a really funny example because you can tell when people are experienced at it because they do things very casually. And then you can tell who is new to it because they do the same casual things very intentionally. Sure. You know, it's like the, Ooh, the legs and the bouquet and all, all this, you know, it's a performance. It's like, okay, I want to be in this club. I want to be in the club of people who have smart things to say at art galleries. So I'm going to go to an art gallery and I'm going to say something smart. Right. <laughs> and so it's a social process and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want, I like, you know, it's incredibly important in both physical and spiritual ways for us to have references for our own interpretations. You know, it's one thing to have a, a, uh, 
an interpretation of a piece of art. But it's another thing to have someone next to you either agree or disagree with your interpretation because then it becomes three dimensional or even four dimensional. You know, it's like we uh, argue with critics over time. You know, oh, this, you know, in, in the 15th century, this was regarded as the worst painting ever painted. And now it's on the wall here. And so, like, you know, we we engage in this social conversation over time about each individual piece. And so so those are those these three, you know, in your answer to in your question, what is art? It is something that provokes response. And there are three categories of response that result in very different behaviors, understandings, and outcomes. I, uh, I, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of thought on what you had to say. And I wanted to ask you something a little bit, uh, related to this, Justin, that is, um, a conversation I had with, uh, Pamela Valfer a few episodes back and, uh, she really jostled my thinking and I wanted to tell you, uh, about it. It's related to this and tell me what your thoughts on it. Um, mm-hmm. For many times during the show, I've uh, talked about the mystical or spiritual experience or me as an art lover enthusiast and uh, being in the art museum, being in the art museum, being in that sanctuary, being in that space. And that space is, is, is complicated or I've learned it to be more complicated over, over time. Um, I adored art museums, uh, but the dynamic that I started to think about was maybe sometimes, you know, that is the church for us, that, 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 that you go to the church and you went to church, but like anything religious or spirituality or with where you find art, it's also outside as, 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 as well. And, um, I think there's like a mental attitude to really deeply appreciate the wonders of like human artistic achievement that you find in a museum. But I felt like, as I talked about, I thought that more that, that my thinking was a little bit, uh, quaint on that. So I really appreciate talking to you and, um, I do find art, uh, in a lot of places as, as you do, but maybe decentralizing, uh, adoration, uh, or that this is the place to find art and then you get to search harder elsewhere. And uh, so as you can tell, as I'm talking about, it's jostled my thinking. I was wondering what you thought about, you know, about about the museum as as the place to, to, to find it. Does, does the museum need to be, and of course there's lots of different museums, it's a little bit unfair, but do you, do you think there are things that museums need to do around um, accessibility uh, or to to minimize the exclusion of folks uh, from art? Okay. Yes, uh, I do. There, I'll, I'll start by making a distinction here, and I'm not sure which side I'm going to land on. There is a big difference between museums and galleries. And I think of museums as being a historical store of previous artists who uh you know have contributed to specific movements or like you know 
in order to fit in a museum, it has to be categorizable in some way, even if it's uncategorizable, that's still a category. <laughs> like, you know, it's one of those things that kind of eats itself. Um, galleries. Okay. Galleries are, uh, you know, much wider range of sizes and, you know, very large galleries, very small galleries. And I think the thing that people forget about, and I'm not sure if this is intentional because I am not a gallery owner. I would not know how to go about this myself, but there is in some cases an erasure of the role of the curator in a gallery. And we need, I, I would like to celebrate curators. And I think that curators remove in some cases curators remove themselves from the visibility of it in order to present a more institutional like it's it it's beyond critique because it's not done by a person you know the these art this art miraculously appeared on this wall in this perfectly arranged way and so there's no one around to say like oh i really like this or oh i didn't like this or whatever and and okay here we go here's the big deep dive it's because we want to present human created work as though it were produced by nature right because nature is beyond critique like what are you going to say to the ocean yeah like even yeah. if you had a meaningful critique of the ocean like who are you going to tell yeah yeah but like, like there's nobody there there it, it's nature you know and so people erase the names of you know this this one person you know and i i personally love the reasons why people pick art you know oh i grew up in detroit in the 80s and it was like this so i like this you know there's a story there's a reason there's it's it's a rational behavior as far as why this art is here but People like to erase that to say, no, nature did this. It's accidental. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. Everybody, everybody look at how beautiful this accident that no one actually did is and make sure you, you know, tell your friends or whatever. Um, I think – I want – I love museums and I love art galleries, but I think it's unfortunate that art is being pushed into designated areas. I don't think art is like that. And I don't think that's actually how the world is. I think art is everywhere, but our, our socially prompted enjoyment of art occurs in specific places like uh, you know the same person that goes to moma and like stares for 30 minutes at a vermeer or whatever right ooh, ooh, look at the shading they're just like staring at the patch of brown in the corner they're like the brushwork is incredible and i you know and sure it is it's a great painting but that same person would never look at the painting in the dentist office there's a real painting by the dentist friend in the in the reception area, and you don't yeah. get up out of your seat and look at it because that's not where you do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm at the dentist's office. I'm supposed to read People magazine. 
You know, I want to fit in with the other three people who are all here to get root canals. And so I'm not going to be weird about this. Museums and galleries are set up for people to like really get weird with it and like <laughs> two inches, two inches from the wall and like yeah. stare at it. And you're like, yep, that's definitely blue. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like, you know, I, I think, you know, again, to the listener, if you see a piece of art, go look at it. Like, like seriously, if it's above a water fountain, you know, at your office, like whatever it is, you know, and examine it. Is it a print? Is it a painting? Is it a photograph? Like what? It, and like, you know, take it in because someone did that. And, and there's so much behind it. it was, as long as you turn that switch on, which is I am interested in art, you'll start to see that it's kind of everywhere. You know, like there are there are gas stations in LA that have chandeliers and paintings. I was just in one. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy, um, and it's like there's paintings everywhere. There's art everywhere, and the only place that we really give ourselves permission to engage in this, like this absorption of art, are these museums and these galleries. And that's good. You should do that there. Absolutely. You paid your ticket, get your money's worth. But there is so much more. And the stories that go into the art that you see outside of museums might be as interesting as the artists who are, you know, capital A artists, right? Yeah. So I would just say that the potential for for artistic experience goes beyond museums and galleries and you should absolutely support your local galleries and support uh, local museums because they're important they're you know uh, also making sure that uh, you know there's a big thing right now in the art gallery wor- or the museum and art gallery world about increasing representation. You know, uh, I saw an article that was all like, should we sell this one expensive painting by a white guy to buy 40 paintings from black women? And (laughs) and I was like, yeah, you should do that for sure. Uh, (laughs) You should definitely, that's a, yeah, for sure. But like, uh, you know, when it comes to it, if you don't, you know, museums, I don't know. Galleries are a much more personal thing, but museums typically uh, are a public service. They're a public good. And so if there, there is room for pressure to increase the accessibility of museums and galleries to more kinds of artists, because as we know, like, you know, uh, the Western, the Western aesthetic art world, um, white men ha- uh, got a really far head start on making sure they get the wall space. And you know what? I've seen that story. So uh, I think we have an opportunity to increase the representation in these spaces, and it would make these spaces so much cooler, so much more interesting, and so much more spiritually uh fertile because you actually get to see the range of human experience instead of 
a small segment of the range of human experience. So uh, that's my take on museums and galleries. They're awesome. Support them. Get involved. Make sure that, you know, when it comes like on their Instagrams, they're they're definitely any art gallery right or any museum right now is all like, hey, we're trying to increase representation for indigenous artists or whoever, you know, whatever, whatever the local cause is. And I would encourage you to stand on the side of marginalized artists to get them that representation because, because we've had enough white male artists to dominating museum and gallery space. That's enough. And I say that as a white male artist, like I, I, I'm chill. Like I, I do, I, I'm more interested in hearing other people's stories at this point. I'm going to put out my art, but I, I don't, I would like to see space go to more stories because it makes me more full as a person to, to hear and understand and appreciate other people and other cultures and other views on things that, and you know, Hot yeah. take, I guess. <laughs> no, I uh, I really appreciate uh, what you have to say and 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 in different ways of thinking about um, the museum. And again, not to not to not to devalue, but um, being in the spirit, uh, you know, you being an artist philosopher of you know of critique of looking at what is in in, in thinking about its history and and really the the opportunity uh, with awareness to. Um, uh, to make it more inclusive and to see all the things that we want to see. Uh, Justin, um, here, here's, here's, here's the big one. Here's the, here's the big one. Uh, why, why is there something rather than nothing? I know you've been thinking about this. I, and, I have, uh, I have, and I, yeah. I think I have a pretty good answer. Um, I would argue that it's not something rather than nothing. I would say that in the case of everything, you need nothing to create something. The, the nothing, the space between, is what enables the possibility of perceiving something as something. Otherwise, it would be everything. If there was no nothing, yeah. it would just be everything. But the nothing in between all the somethings is what enables us to perceive them as discrete objects and discrete pieces of art. It's the, you know, uh, I'm sure that it's been said in many other places, but I'm quoting it from Daft Punk is uh, the perfect song is framed with silence. You know? And yeah. silence yeah. is silence is the unspoke is the unnoticed complement of every song you've ever heard. It's the unrealized is that in that silence, everything else exists. It's just not expressed. And so um, there's also the quote from uh Ray Cummings. I know that this is sometimes attributed to Einstein, but it is Ray Cummings, which is time. Uh, the only reason time exists is that so everything doesn't happen at once. You know, is that the t- time enables us to see things as happening in the morning 
and in the afternoon without without that measure of of distance between those two things the nothing between morning and afternoon it would just be one thing and so nothing and nothing turns everything into a lot of somethings i uh I, I hearing your answer in the context of uh, perception, right? I, I really, I really like that. The perception amongst the something, somethings and nothings, in order for to perceive, right? It's a necessary part of uh, perceiving. I haven't quite had an answer like that. <laughs> That's a, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, it, it breaks. Nothing is what breaks up the universe into manageable parts. All right, uh, Justin, uh, uh, listeners here, uh, you put out a, a lot of art, and uh, I enjoy following following your work. It's uh, on on Instagram, but I want I want you to tell folks where where to find where to find your art, your 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 thinking, uh, music, uh, visuals, words. Where do folks go? All right. Well, thank you. Uh, love this part. Um, my main, the thing I'm on every day is my Instagram, uh, JCMB made. Um, so JCMB M A D E, uh, that is my business. It's also JCMB made.com. Um, and that is the collection of all of my visual art and some of my writing, uh, my music, my musical alter ego is named emperor Steve. Uh, I put out um, an audio, a 27 song audio gallery in 2021. Yes, in 2021. And uh, I'm currently working on some new stuff now, but that's emperorsteve.com, also at emperorsteve. Um, I also have a novel slash screenplay. I say slash screenplay because it's not really either, um, which is a piece of. I'll, I'll just call it absurdist fiction. Um, and that is zodiacwaning.com. So zodiac like horoscope and then waning like waxing and waning.com. And, uh, and you, so, but if you want to talk to me and I, I love talking to people about art and philosophy and I love encouraging people to create art or sharing whatever, whatever knowledge I have, um, is JC and be made on Instagram. Um, you can email me through my website, uh, but please don't video call me without texting first. <laughs> <laughs> Not that accessible. I um, I uh, I, I want to thank you so much for Ju- Justin for coming on the show, and I, I really um, you know, and having guests on, I, I like our conversation, you know, doing, doing, um, doing philosophy and, and, and dropping into some of the, you know, some of the deeper elements about our experience, but also I think you have a lot of practical, <laughs> super practical setup to enjoy and make art, um, advice that you talked about at the beginning. And I, I really think that's extremely helpful just in our conditions or a lot of people's conditions of, not all of a sudden pulling everything together, figuring out everything you have to do, but to, to, to integrate behavior, 
uh, in your life that sets you up for, for art. And I, I think that's a profound, I think you and I know that's a, that's a profound change. And like I had mentioned before, I get excited about how the mind can heal, how the mind can reorder, how the mind can see uh, beauty more regularly. And uh, somebody would have to give some convincing argument how that's not healthy for us. Yeah, and I want to drive this home real quick. Is that for people who, uh, you know, either create art and don't identify as an artist, or for people that don't even create art, um, welcome. Thanks for listening. But uh, here's the thing: is that when you create art, it doesn't. You do not have to sell art to be an artist. You do not have to share your art to be an artist. Okay, if you create things. Anything, pictures, music, sculptures, leaf arrangements, stone piles, whatever it is, if you create that, you do not have to sell it and you do not have to share it to be an artist. And what's really important is that artists, as we know, are respected members of society. And you know what? Like, given the way that the, you know, the economy and society and politics and all these things have treated the average person you know i really think that there is a lot of value in seeing yourself as an artist as a member of this quote-unquote highly respected class you know you could say yo you can't treat me like this i'm an artist like i shouldn't be doing this with my time i'm an artist i should like i need to like focus not on there, there are things to focus on and there are things to let go of because I'm an artist. Because as an artist, I need to make art. And I understand the economy and rent and labor and all that sucks. And it takes a lot of the time. But what time you do have, if you are able to convert that into an identity where you see yourself as an artist, there is a the thing that happens that enables you to look around at the world and say, this isn't right. I'm an artist and I'm being treated badly and we should treat artists well. And so, and so it becomes this thing where once you're involved in this community, it's like creative human creativity is incredibly powerful and important. And so why would they, what kind of world do we live in where it's not valued? And that, and that's kind of how you like step over that line in the sand and you say, as an artist, I want to make the world better for myself and other artists and other human beings because the creativity and the art and that experience is one of the easiest one of the easiest ways to know that life is worth living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 it, it's it's a it's a special kind of magic and. Yeah, I I I want to thank you in, in talking to you, you know, connecting with me on uh, you know, and exploring the ethos of kind of the ethos beneath the show and um and in and, and finding and finding that magic uh in transformation. Um hey everybody, uh make sure you check out uh Justin CM Brown. Find him uh, on on uh Instagram and in his websites uh diverse 
uh, artistic output, uh, words, uh, incredible visuals and in, in, in displays, um, and of course, uh, music as well. I wanted to thank you, Justin, for for sharing what you do and, and, and actually sharing your attitudes and uh, the cultivation of, of, of habits and talking about art. Um, uh, really appreciate you and wanted to thank you for uh, for spending some time on something rather than nothing. Ken, thank you so much. And I, uh, I wish you all the best and I will continue. I will be a continued listener. So, um, so thank you very much, everybody listening. Please follow. Make sure you subscribe to Kim. Follow me. We'll hang out. Talk about art. Cool. Thanks, brother. It's been a great pleasure. Yeah, same here. Thank you. This is Something Rather Than Nothing 